0: Glory to God. Hallelujah! Well, we praise you. We praise you. So thankful for the Lord today. My goodness. He's such a kind and merciful and mindful God today. And I appreciate him. Uh, one verse of scripture while you're standing this morning. And again, thank you for being in the house of the Lord and uh, being in discipleship Sunday school this morning. And we'll finish. This is actually the last lesson in this uh, series on the posture of a disciple. Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians eleven and one, "Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ." And so today we're going to talk about from disciple to disciple maker. That's where we want. That's where we want to end up. If we're going to be mature disciples of Jesus Christ, then we must also become disciple makers. Praise the Lord. Let's pray for the lesson today. Lord, thank you for your word, Lord, that you've given us. We are born again by the word of God. And Lord, it encourages us and gives us faith. Today, let it find good ground in our heart. Lord, so we can... Fulfill this great commission, Lord, to reach the lost, to to make disciples in every nation. God, help us today. And we're going to praise you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, "Amen." If you'd give your one more hand clap of praise before you're seated, <laughs> Hallelujah! Thankful, thankful to be His, Hallelujah, and thankful to help people to come to the knowledge of Christ. You can be seated this morning, and so. Last week, we talked about that we have to move beyond separation. In other words, as disciples of the Lord, there is uh, something, uh, sure, the most important act that we're going to experience when we come to Him is our new birth. To repent of our sins and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be born of water and spirit. You must be born again. And Jesus said, except you are born again and born of water and spirit. So we know that these are things that you just don't get away from. But that is not where we camp out. There is still a work to be done once we are born again. Uh, Jesus told uh, his disciples before he left this earth, he gave the, what we call the Great Commission. It's recorded in the Gospels, but uh, worded a little differently in each one, but each one adds clarity to the other. But he said to go and make disciples of all nations to baptize them, to preach repentance and remission of sins in his name, beginning in Jerusalem. And he that believeth and is baptized, shall we say, preach the gospel to every creature. So not only are we uh, going to come to a place of salvation in our life, we are striving to get others to a place of salvation. But even there, we don't just stop with them being born again. We need to help them because... They're babes in the Lord. And we mentioned this last week. You don't take a, a newborn baby and leave it to itself and say, you'll figure it out. No, they won't. They'll die. They could be perfect, healthy baby. And they will die if someone is not helping them learn to live. And we have seen too many babes in the Lord lose their life, lose that precious salvation because there just was nobody to help them move further in the Lord and become a mature disciple of Jesus Christ. It is more than believing, it is following him. Uh, you can believe in the Lord and not follow him. Yeah, yeah, because you, if you can be a hearer of the word and not a doer, which the scripture warns us against, because if you do that, you deceive yourself. Many people are hearers of the word and say, Wow, that's great. And I'm just going to keep that stored up, but they don't do anything with it and have deceived themselves that they are actually on their way to heaven because they're not doing anything with what they have heard. They have not moved beyond separation. They are stuck in their salvation experience. I thank God for the night that I repented of my sins. When the Holy Ghost moved on me and, and I, I came to my pastor that, that night, got him to baptize me in Jesus' name and, and was later filled with the Holy Ghost and I would take nothing for that experience. But let me tell you something. It is nothing like when you can talk to someone about the Lord and see their eyes light up or see them break down in tears and say, this is what I've been looking for. And, and you begin to pray with them and they begin to call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Or you pray with them and see them begin to speak in tongues for the first time and, and, then, or, uh, and then you baptize them in Jesus' name. Man, that's great. But then when you watch them Pray with somebody else and reach somebody else, and then, or maybe uh, some young man or young lady in your church, like we said last week, you see them taken off for the mission field because somebody has poured into them, or you see them preach their first message, or pray their first person through the Holy Ghost, or baptize their first person in Jesus' name. You have helped make a disciple. We need to be disciple makers. In Luke 14 and 27, the Lord uh, said that if a man would not take up his cross daily and follow him, he could not be his disciple. In other words, being a disciple is going to require a cross. The thing about that is... is, is there was an example, you know, we, we talk about Jesus being our example as a disciple maker. He was the Lord. He was the King of Kings. He was the Savior, God manifest in flesh walking on this earth. But he took time to develop people. Uh, there were 12 especially that he chose all with purpose. Even the one he said, one of you I've chosen, I chose all of you, but one of you is a devil. I got to have. Uh, I've got to have a Judas in here. Uh, To remind me that there's a Peter. You know, I've got to have a Judas to remind me that there's others uh, to be saved. I've got to have him around to remind me of what's coming. And so uh, he was a disciple maker. But when it came to the end of his life and they were going to lead him to Calvary to put him on that cross, he did not take that cross alone, he hung on that cross alone but it was not just him that got that cross to its destination. There was a man uh, who was a Cyrenian. His name was Simon, and they compelled him to bear the cross. What I'm trying to tell you is that if we're going to carry a cross, there's going to be somebody else involved in your cross carrying and you will be involved in somebody else's cross carrying because we are going to be disciple makers we're not just going to get people born again and let them die in their infancy but we are going to lead them into maturity how to walk daily with the lord how to how to pray how to fast how to serve him how to live separate from this world and not feel ashamed about it but to walk upright and not proud and boastful and arrogant and self-righteous but Thankful to let someone see your light shine because God has done a work for you. If we're going to see this, if, if nobody's making disciples, the church is going to perish. The church will expire. Eventually, there will be no one sitting in the seats. If the saints are not making disciples, then who is? Because Jesus is not making disciples anymore. He's calling people out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. But there is a ministry pastors, apostles, evangelists, teachers, these, these, uh, all these, uh, this uh, five fold ministry, he said, was giving for the perfecting or so uh, of the saints so the man of God could be thoroughly furnished. He said, I'm trying to, I've got a ministry team here that will work in this earth to develop people and, and keep them walking on the path. And Paul, uh, as we read here, this uh, figure in this uh, lesson, he, was, uh, he wrote the better part, uh, the majority of the New Testament. But before he was the Apostle Paul, we find him as Saul of Tarsus, a persecutor of the church. But after his conversion, uh, he needed somebody to help him. He didn't do what he did on his own just like you hadn't got to where you are on your own. Could you, could you think right now of somebody, just close your eyes for a minute and think, you think of somebody that helped get you to where you are. If, if you can't think of nobody, uh, you're not thinking very hard. Because somebody helped you to become who you are in the Lord. Somebody has prayed with you and spent time with you. Somebody has preached to you and talked to you. And, and I'm not just talking across the pulpit, but over the phone or across a table with a meal or, or in their home or somewhere. Somebody has sat and spent time with you to help you stay on track with God. And when Paul uh, got that revelation on the road to Damascus, when God uh, knocked him down and and he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus that you persecuted. He realized that Jesus was that God manifest in the flesh and he knew that he had done wrong. But now uh, what do I do now? And he's blind, and you know, for three days he's blind, and he's fasting and praying, and till Ananias shows up and prays for him, and God has filled him with the Holy Ghost, and he's baptized in Jesus' name, and he starts preaching the gospel that he once persecuted, but people don't want to receive him. He shows up in Jerusalem, and they're like, "No way, it's a trick." But somebody uh, found him, Barnabas. The scripture says that they called Barnabas the son of consolation, and that. Uh, Barnabas found Paul and and took him and convinced these people. No, he's not putting on an act. This is for real. He's been converted and and he's now preaching the gospel. and And Barnabas spent time with the Apostle Paul and he uh, took him places. and Because of, of Barnabas and his influence, they they went on missionary journeys and churches were birthed and and great things happened and and all this. Paul becomes who he is because he had this Barnabas figure in his life. Somebody that said, I'll I'll spend time with you, I'll I'll walk with you and I'll I'll show you the ropes, so to speak, but you know, after a while even Barnabas realized that Saul or Paul is moving past me. We always want people to to be greater than who we are, but that doesn't mean we can't be a good example, and that doesn't mean we can't show people the way, but you always want people, go past where I went, go farther than I went, do more than I did, be greater. That's what Jesus said. Do the things that I do, but do greater things uh, because I'm going to my Father. I'm going to empower you to be greater on this earth than you could ever imagine. And so after... Uh, Saul uh, hooks up with Barnabas and and he begins to preach and go and and then Barnabas realizes that Paul's got giftings, Paul's got power and authority, he's got revelations, he's doing mighty works. And you know, there was a time where it was an unfortunate incident, but they separated. But because of that separation, many more churches and cities and regions were birthed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God used it for a reason. He, He didn't let it destroy who they were. Thank God that Paul had somebody to disciple him. Because if he had not, would we even have uh, these letters that are in the scripture today? What, would we, that how are we going to preach about uh, be followers of me even as I follow him if we don't have the apostle Paul. And so Paul uh, realizing, uh, I'm sure that he was very thankful for the men of God and the experiences that he had in his life, for the Ananias that came to speak a word, for the, even for the man who led him down by the basket Uh, over the wall when they were threatening to kill him. And, uh, you know, maybe even he remembered how uh, he persecuted Stephen and stood there consenting unto his death. Uh, Paul had many teachers, and he said unto many people, and he realized that I did not get to where I am by myself. It's not because me. Even Paul said in my flesh there is no good thing. He realized that uh, he, he said he was the, the least of the apostles, the chiefest of sinners. He, he never tried to lift himself up. So when we uh, read this offer to the Corinthian church uh, uh, to, hey, you follow me as I follow Christ, that's a very uh, bold invitation. But uh, he wanted them to imitate him only because he was imitating Jesus Christ. He wasn't trying to make himself anybody... A, they needed uh, to take a fresh look at who they were following. This was a church that Paul had to kind of get on to. They needed some correcting. There were some things that were going on because whoever they were following was not producing good fruit in their lives. We talked about that last week that the Scripture says we are the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Well, what an honor that is, that God would uh, you know, label us like that to be His. But we know that... Uh, The Lord's not into trees that don't bear fruit. And so uh, a tree is going to bear a certain kind of fruit. And so if we are disciples of his and we are trees, then the fruit we bear is disciples. Can't you agree with that? If he said we were apple trees, we'd be bearing apples, but we're not apple trees we disciple trees. The Bible says he that wineth souls is wise. God intends on people winning souls for his kingdom. He wants people to turn people. He, said, you know, he says if you are spiritual and you find someone overtaken in a fault, he's, he's wanting us to work with people to help turn people, to help them see the error of their ways, to help them get back on track or stay on track, to, to bring people in uh, to the kingdom of God. Who's going to do it if we don't? But how useless is it if we simply bring them in and abandon them? Spend some time with somebody. Make a friend and then make a disciple. Yeah, make a friend. You know what? It's, it's so easy. You say, oh, who do I look for? Hey, if, you, if you're a parent, start with your kids. Praise God. If that scripture means anything, train them up in the way they should go. Make your kids disciples. how are you going to make somebody else a disciple if you can't even disciple your own home disciple your children get them in love with the Lord teach them how to live for God and then let them start teaching their kids at school their friends at school how to to be a disciple let them uh, lead them to the Lord and then be an example to them every day let them make the statement just follow me as I follow Christ people need somebody to look to they need an example in this world But the Corinthian church, whoever they were looking at, was taking them in the wrong direction because they were confused, they were divided, they were misusing the gifts of the Spirit. They were failing to discern the Lord's body when they took communion. And because of these things, uh, they were untimely deaths, unnecessary physical ailments, and then spiritual anemia. So you don't have to think that Paul was trying to be proud or arrogant. The, The Lord had already given thorns in his flesh lest he would get boastful or, or raise up a bud. He knew he had a lot of revelations, but he said, God has left these thorns in my flesh to keep me humble, to keep me at a, a good level. So you can't assign pride and arrogance or flattery to Paul's offer to the Corinthians to imitate him. He's just, he sees as a man who has preached to them before that whoever or whatever they were imitating was not working, and they needed a proper role model of truth, balance, attitude, and godly posture to immolate. Paul signed up for the job. He was qualified, experienced. He was their founding pastor, so he was the obvious choice. any time, especially in leadership, you should uh, live your life in such a way that you're not afraid to say, follow me. I'm not saying try to make yourself Lord over people. I'm telling you that you should live your life in a way that you're not afraid for people to follow your example. You should be doing things that, that are right and not things that are wrong. You should live your se- life in a way that people can follow you as you follow Jesus. So the burden is on the leader. He's got to keep himself in a place looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith. And he's got to keep walking on the straight and narrow. And then, uh, But let me tell you this, if you're following, it's up to you to keep your eyes on who you're following. You ever went on a trip and got three or four cars behind you, and they say, you lead, we'll follow. That's the most aggravating experience in the world because you look back there and you're you're watching. Where'd they go? Where are they at? Why are they driving so slow? Why don't they come on and catch up? You know, it's like, and so you're slowing down. It's aggravating sometimes being the leader, but you don't want to lose them. So you do what you have to do. You make the adjustments so you can keep them in the rearview mirror. You want to make sure that you don't leave them behind. Uh, don't leave you the ones that are following you. Don't leave them behind. Right. Keep your eye on them. Keep uh, keep a check on them. Now it's good. We got phones. We can call them. Where you at? Oh, well, I'm. I'm behind this tractor trailer truck. You just can't see me, but I'm here. I'm still coming. All right, I just want to make sure you're still headed in the right direction. Uh, I don't want you to miss your exit. I I want you to know where we're going. Make sure you are staying in contact with the people that you are bringing into the house of the Lord. Make sure they're okay. Check on them. Call them. Text them, whatever it takes. Pray with them when they're in service. Hug their neck. Get down and cry with them. Do whatever it takes, but make sure you are keeping people in the house of the Lord. Help them grow, feed them spiritual food, encourage them, lift them up. Uh, you know, and don't be afraid sometimes if they, you see them getting out of line a little bit. Tell them, say, hey, that's not what we do. But you need to be able to tell them why. Not just because I said so. You've got to be able to show them why. So Paul, he didn't just say, hey, everybody follow me because I said so. He qualified his invitation by saying, you can only follow me if I'm following Jesus. If I'm not following him, you can go wherever way you want to go, but uh, I'm going to be following the Lord. He was implying in the invitation was uh, if I ever cease to follow him, just like he told the church in uh, Galatians, he said, if I preach any other gospel, then let me be cursed. He said, if I'm not following him, if I quit following Jesus, you are released Uh, From following me, I am no longer your teacher or your rabbi, and this relationship is over. But if I am imitating Christ, then you are bound to follow me. You've got to follow me because I'm going to lead you in the right direction. Uh, Don't think you can make it without leaders. You will not get there on your own. I know, uh, I think it was Brother Tenney said one time, whether he came up with this saying or not, I don't know. But I do know I heard him say this that if you ever see a turtle sitting on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. <laughs> somebody helped him get to that point, to that position. And when you see somebody standing uh, you know, in a pulpit or you see them heading to the missions field or you see them working and laboring in a church, you can believe they didn't get there by themselves. Somewhere, somebody uh, worked with them, prayed with them. You, you see these guys that are preaching conferences. You think, my, what, what great messages, how anointed. They did not get there by themselves. Somebody mentored them, prayed with them, worked with them, uh, showed them an example that they could follow. And so we won't, don't want to just be disciples. We want to be disciple makers. But if we're not following him, then they can't follow us. That's why it is so important to take uh, responsibility for your walk with God. You cannot lay the responsibility of your walk on anybody else. They may be leaders, but you've got to choose to follow. They can't drag you. Paul didn't say, I'm going to drag you as I'm following him. He said, be followers. Make a, in other words, when he said be, he said, you make a choice to follow me as I follow Christ. Don't blame anybody else. If you feel like you're coming up short, it's not anybody else's fault. We, after we reach a certain point, after we're mature, it's just like when my kids, you know, they get grown and get old enough to, to fix and do things for themselves. Hey, you know what? If, if they're walking around the house hungry, it's their own fault. They know how to cook. They know how to make a sandwich. They know where the pantry's at. When they was little kids, yeah, we did everything. But now they're, they're grown-ups. They're adults. Hey, I'm hungry. Kitchen. <laughs> if you're sitting here hungry, that's your own fault. There ain't nothing to eat in here. Well, there is. is you, you may not be what you want right now, but there's food to eat. If you, Wouldn't it be bad to starve with a pantry full of food? I won't starve when everything, when the table's set before me. It's my responsibility to to take in what I'm, you know, we've got to start taking some personal responsibility in our walk with God. And, uh, yeah, I heard a man tell Brother Everhart one time, he got mad, just plumb mad at him. This guy, and and I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and I believe I'm all right. I'm not, this guy, he wanted to preach, but he wasn't no preacher. Now, he was a singer. He could play the piano and sing, but he didn't like that. But he was so good. And every week, people would ask him to play and sing, and, and he would sit back there and say, Hey, Brother also you got a request? And he would sit on the back row, and he'd go, Say no. And So I just, when I see his request, I just quit asking him. Because I said, I don't want to have to go, okay, what do I do? Just move on to the next guy, I guess. That was awkward. And so if he didn't want to be used like that, fine. Well, he decided he wanted to be a preacher. And he couldn't preach. (laughs) He couldn't. And he got mad and and he told Brother Hardie, he said, I'm mad at you because you didn't make me a good preacher. Not his job. He's going to be a a leader. He's going to be a mentor, but you got to do something. You, you know, you got to spend some time in prayer. You got to, you got to actually have a calling. Uh, you know, it's not something you just, uh, you can't just imitate preaching. You got to have a calling on your life and do these things. And so, it, it wasn't his job to make him, because he didn't call him. If if you had a call, God called you, and if God called you, you'd be doing what you're supposed to be doing. But he wasn't. So we must make sure that we. Are actually following material? People all the time say, are they husband material? Are they wife material? Are you disciple material? Are you following material? Are you the kind of person that somebody can say, hey, I need to get to Jesus. Oh, I can follow you. I hope that we are. Because I, if I want to lead them anywhere, I want to lead them to him. Praise God. So we cannot miss Paul's caution that you only follow him if he was following Christ. Don't don't lead people off into, into your own stuff. Lead them in the Lord. Because sometimes Christians become so focused on a human leader in the church that they will lose their vision of Christ. Please, uh, don't ever put any man, any human in a place that they're not supposed to be. Uh, you know, they... You give them honor, you give honor where it's due, but don't make them into something that they're not. Don't, act, don't, try, don't ever act like your pastor is faultless. Don't ever act like he's, he's so perfect there ain't nothing ever going on in his life because you're setting yourself up because uh, he knows, he, he, he's just like Paul. He knows in his flesh dwells no good thing, and he's striving every day to be better. He knows there's a war going on in his members. You need to know that too. And so uh, make sure that you don't set him up because um, if you look close enough, you're going to find fault with people. But you need to put your magnifying glass down when you're looking at people. Quit trying to dig up things on them. Quit trying to just look at how wrong they are, what kind of mistakes they're making, what kind of fault they have, and realize they're human. And they're going to have these days, but if you want to look to somebody perfect, you look uh, what he said in the book of Hebrews when he said, Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And so you only follow me as I'm following him, but don't look too closely at me. Make sure you see who I'm following. You need to see Jesus that I'm following. If you look and read in in Hebrews 11, you're going to find uh, people like uh, Jacob who was a deceiver and Abraham that lied and you're going to find David that committed adultery, Noah that got drunk, Gideon was fearful, Samson was a womanizer, and Sarah even laughed at God. uh, Moses murdered a man and Rahab, bless her heart, people still say Rahab the harlot. But they are found in this book of faith. That's why we look unto Jesus. That's why the next chapter says, let's get you focused. I don't want you staring too hard at them. I want you to realize they had faith. Here's what I want you to look at, Jesus. Look closely at Jesus. If we allow humans to get in our way of following Christ, then they will. There are too many people outside the fellowship of the church today because they fixed their gaze too closely upon a man and lost sight of the only perfect model. Jesus is the one who invited Thomas, look at me, come close enough to touch and handle and see these wounds. Even Pilate declared three times, in him I find no fault at all. He is the only faultless model that you can look at. So make sure that as you follow your leaders, you are looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, because it's very dangerous to focus too closely on humanity, uh, Because especially if someone you look up to. You know, you, people never want to uh, hear. That's why you'll, you be careful. Sometimes even in your testimony, you don't have to tell everything that went on in your past. Even though it's under the blood and covered, it can't, now they can't get it out of their mind. And every time you stand up to say something, that's all they can see. I've had people before telling me, oh, I'm going through this and going through this. I said, well, let me give you a word of advice. Don't talk to too many people about that. Because you tell too many people, somebody else is going to start talking. And then people are going to start, even, you may be over it, past it, forgiven of it and everything, but that's all they can see. So you don't have to tell it all except to him. I tell people all the time, they couldn't pastor. I say, hey, listen, I'll pray with you. You ain't got to tell me everything that's going on because I don't want that mental picture. I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to have to push that out. If something's going on, if you've made a mistake and you're admitting it to God, let's pray right now. You repent. I can't repent for you. You get it clear with God. You don't have to tell me unless it's going to affect the church. So you don't have to. Spill your guts to everybody. Uh, Don't do that. Because I promise you, somebody you're talking to is going to be talking to somebody else. Uh, And it will hurt your ability to make a disciple because people don't want to follow you anymore. Praise God. So Paul uh, was not demanding blind obedience to himself He was simply offering his model as a lens through which to gaze upon the goal of all Christianity, becoming like Jesus Christ. Don't you want to be like him? Then be that. Be a lens that people can look through to to look upon uh, the Lord and see him. They know, hey, I can tell he's following or she's following the Lord. God himself instituted this pattern when he created Adam. God created Adam in his image. His own image. Well, how is it possible for God to create Adam in his own image when God didn't have an image yet? He was invisible. He's the invisible God. Well, Paul calls Jesus the last Adam, which gives us the insight into how God formed the first Adam in his own image. Wow. He already knew what he would look like when he walked the earth, when he made the first man on the earth. That's why John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The term Word, Logos, means the plan, the mind, or the envisaging of God. And so uh, Revelation 13 and 8 refers to Jesus as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So before there was ever a sinner, there was a Savior in the mind and plan of God. The Lamb wasn't up there biding his time, waiting to come down. It was in the mind and the plan of God. Christ did not exist in heaven before. He he was begotten. Uh, It was his begotten son. That means he was formed in the womb and God created a body so that he could dwell on this earth. There was no uh, body hanging around uh, in heaven waiting to be shrunk down to a baby and then implanted into Mary so that he could be born. There was God everywhere who had a plan. And so she was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost and she conceived and that child was born and that child was God manifest in the flesh. For for the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Praise God. So God already had a plan of making people in his image. God is still making us into the image of Jesus Christ through uh, the transforming power of our obedience to his gospel. The ongoing work of the cross, the blood, the name, the word, and the grace of God in our lives all works to help us fit into that image of Jesus Christ. And with that being said, we all work better when we have an example to follow and someone to be accountable to. And this is the power we have to make disciples. You know, have you ever started a a new job, something, I mean, you've never done this before, but you got hired. They said, no experience necessary. We'll train. but well, wouldn't it be crazy if they didn't train you? Hey, we're hiring electricians. We'll train you. They take you out on that first job and put your tool belt on, saying, so they go over there and hook that panel box up. You'll figure it out, or you'll die. Most likely, you will die because somebody didn't tell you you don't stick a screwdriver there. (laughs) Pow! Put that ad book up. We lost another one. I'm afraid the church is having to put the ad back up because we lost another one. Because somebody, hey, listen, it is, come on in, no experience necessary. But somebody needs to be training up these children. Somebody needs to be training up these disciples. Somebody needs to be getting these born-again babies in the Lord, getting them on their feet and getting them walking and getting them running and getting them ready to meet Jesus one day. we got to be training people that can still preach after we're gone. If the preachers today are not training other preachers, then who's going to preach when we're out of here? We've got to be discipling people. I don't want to lose people. Uh, and it's cert- I don't want to lose them for any reason, but I certainly don't want to lose them because I didn't do my part to train them. And when you read about uh, Paul and his spiritual family tree, there are over 40 named people in Scripture who are in his spiritual family tree. And when you read his letters. You'll see he he names them. Paul led them to Christ, was constantly writing them, taking them with him on his missionary journeys, praying for them. He never did ministry alone. He always had somebody uh, in his hip pocket that he was training. He was always working with somebody, mentoring them, speaking into their life, developing them. His philosophy of changing the world one person at a time is uh, encapsulated. You, You see the it come to to the head right there in 2 Timothy 2 and 2 because his son in the gospel was Timothy. That was his his boy. It wasn't his natural son. It was his son in the gospel. He was so confident in his disciple Timothy and the impact that he had upon his life that he wrote to the church in Corinth, uh, 1 Corinthians 4 and 17. He said, for this reason I have sent Timothy to you. Who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach uh, as I teach everywhere in the church? I can send Timothy because I know he's going to be just like I was when he gets there he's going to preach the same thing that I preach because I have worked with him I'm not sending somebody that don't know. Uh, how to preach or even know who the Lord is. I'm sending you somebody that I have worked with, poured into, and and he's got a call on his life. He's going to be just like I was. He's going to teach what I teach in every church everywhere. When Paul said Timothy would remind them of his ways, there's a twofold meaning. Timothy would repeat what Paul had told them, and Timothy's manner and presentation would remind them of Paul. It's okay if somebody says, hey, you kind of remind me of... Your pastor. That's all right. I hope, goodness, that somebody ever says that about me. You remind me of Brother Eberhardt, that praise God. Uh, but you will pick up a little bit from every one of these people, men or women, that pour into your life. And and it's not that you're just trying to, you shouldn't get up here and try to make your voice sound like them and, and try to imitate their mannerisms and things like that. Um, sometimes you might accidentally do that. Uh, Brother Eberhardt used to preach with keys in his pocket. And a lot of times he wouldn't even realize that he'd be reading and that hand would be in that pocket jingling them keys. And when I first started preaching, I found myself with my right hand in my pocket a lot of times. And I was like, he does that. Or He did that. And so, I, But I, I said, I, I, I don't want to... Uh, that was something I had from him. I said, but I, I don't want to just um, think, oh, he's trying to just imitate and be, you know. No, I'm not trying to put on a show, uh, but man, what he poured into me, can't, I can't get away from. And so I, what I want to imitate is that love he had for people and the humility he had in his life and, and the ability to teach people and lead people and, and do what he was supposed to do. I, 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 will, I hope that I will ever be half the preacher he was and half the man he was. If, if I do, I'll be all right. But i tell you what, I want to make sure that I'm pouring that into somebody else. Love somebody. Be, you know, be a, a disciple maker. To, you know, encourage somebody. Uh, he believed in restoration. Tell people it's not over. You might be having a hard time, but that's not the end. Encourage people to stay on the path of the Lord. Remind people, you, you, you should remind people not because you look like them or you tilt your head like them, but you should remind them uh, because, hey, you preach the same thing. You preach the same gospel. You show the same love that he did. And so Paul was suggesting that Timothy was doing the same work that he was doing. When Paul, uh, or when we make disciples, we are giving someone who is less mature. That's not trying to slant them, they're less mature in Christ, an invitation to imitate or be like us. We're trying to be a good example. We talk about mentors and stuff all the time, especially for our kids. Uh, You know, we worship. We want to see our kids see us worship. And that's why you start seeing these little babies come out with their hands lifted up. And and that's why we've watched three year olds step out into the altar and lift their hands and just get the Holy Ghost with nobody even praying for them. Because they've watched these adults doing that. And they, they, well, if they can do it, so can I. Kids will try to imitate you when you, you know they little boys want to they want to shave they see daddy shaving they want to shave they they see daddy wearing a tie they want to wear a tie you know they try to imitate them and, and uh well it's like that in church so ooh now it's on us because our kids ought to see us worshiping praying studying backing the preacher up all these kind of things but also these new Converts ought to see us praying and worshiping and loving one another and being unified. How are they going to know to love somebody if they don't see us loving each other? How are they going to know that, oh, it's okay to, to worship and praise God if they don't see us worshiping and praising God? We have got to be the example. Set the standard. And man, strive. I've said this uh, so many times, strive to be better yeah you're born again for the holy ghost got a call got anointing but still don't know so well that's all i need no you need to try to be better every day because you can develop the gifting that god has given you because i guarantee you the first message you preach people's going to be thinking bless his heart i hope he gets better Because you're dropping notes in the floor, and you turn into to the wrong page, and you can't find your scripture, and you you forget you got the microphone, you're drinking your water, and it's, you're, you're just making all kind of good mistakes because you're so nervous. I hope to goodness I've gotten better <laughs> from that first time. But, you know, you, you develop uh, the gifting that God has given you. And, you know, when you first start playing music, man, you don't just jump right on there and take off. Uh, playing like that I don't guess is that how that works I don't know uh, I, I think she probably come out uh, you know she was born playing a piano like that I'll tell you she can do it but you know I, I know you, you, you practice practice and you, you work in that gifting and so uh, newborn people people that don't know the Lord they got to see what we've got that's how you become an example and that's how you start making disciples You you you're advertising hey this is what the Lord will do Man, it's great, and you need to, uh, to get in on this. Yeah. Oh, I think I will. It looks like you're having fun, but if you, man, if they can't see n- no joy in your life and no fire in your life, yeah. oh, why do they want to see? Why do they want to be part of that? Uh, you can't make no disciples like that. Uh, you like a concrete uh, mason maker, a statue maker. I don't want to be a statue maker. Sit here just like I sit here. Don't move just like I don't move. No. Hey, come on. Let's go shout. Give them the opportunity to refuse you. Oh, no, I don't do that. Well, you're missing out. I'm not going to drag you, but you're missing out. Give them the opportunity to say no. Praise God. Don't make them lean over to you and say, how come you don't do that? I better move. Jesus, he emphatically placed an expectation upon all his followers. Boy, I got to quit. I'm, I'm running out of time. Placed an expectation upon all his followers, followers that they would go and make disciples, much like his example of making disciples. When we think of disciples, we should not relegate the term only to the 12 who follow Jesus. Jesus gave us the method by which he desired for us to impact the world around us when he declared, Go and make disciples of all nations. He was inviting every born again believer to go, live life intentionally, and turn sinners into friends. And friends into disciples. If we are disciples of Jesus Christ, then by definition we make disciples. One question will answer whether or not I am a true biblical disciple of Jesus Christ. Who is my disciple? If I have a disciple, then I am truly a disciple because disciples make disciples. Let's stand together. I've got to to quit. We're running out of time. I didn't realize I got so far down in here. Our job is not to only lead people to the finished work of the cross because there's another work that is yet to be finished. Our work is not completely finished until we also make disciples. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, Paul wrote, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, Not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Jesus did not hide out in the wilderness for three and one half years and then suddenly jump on the cross, shed his blood so we could be reconciled to God. Jesus knew that he had a terminal life on this earth. He had a date with destiny, his body clock was ticking. He spent those 42 months carefully building relationships with people. Who would last beyond his life expectancy. He had people that carried on after he was gone. His disciples. When Jesus said follow me. He was inviting his disciples to be with him. Act like him. Think like him. Talk like him. And do what he did. And we know that he was successful in this. Because when you read in the book of Acts. Chapter 4. The men who saw Peter and John realized. uh, Hey they're bold. But they're uneducated they're untrained but it said they realized they had been with Jesus after they were gone after he was gone they, they could see through the way they acted the way they talked the way they carried themselves that they had been with him they thought they had done away with Jesus once and for all and now suddenly they were two more just like him in their presence the call to discipleship is the call to imitation Imitate the Lord and do the things he had done. So I pray that today that we'll get a burden for, you know, we always talk about having a burden for souls and that's, that's great, we want to win them, but let's have a burden to disciple people. To not just, hey, not just give them a pat on the back, give them a bottle of water, give them a sock hat in the winter, a cup of coffee. Hey, let's, let's tell them about the Lord. Let's make a friend out of them and then make a disciple out of them and see them. Hey, you know what? Sitting somewhere in an alley somewhere, in a rehab somewhere, greatest preaching you've ever heard is waiting to be unleashed. If somebody will just make a disciple out of them. It's coming. Let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us with that this morning. Jesus, we do want to follow you intently. But Lord, we want to be... Leading the way. We want people to follow us as we follow you. Lord, put a burden in our heart today to be disciple makers. To spend time with somebody. To love somebody. To lead them to you, Lord. And then to help them stay on the path. Lord, somebody helped us. Somebody got us here. We want to be disciples. We want to be disciple makers. We want to be just like you. Lord, we ask you help us with this today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thankful to be a disciple. Oh, I want to be a disciple maker. I want to go from disciple to disciple maker. Praise God. Thank you for being in Sunday school. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. I believe God's about to pour out his spirit in a mighty way. God bless you.